Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to, to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. back to the high low sports podcast and we're finally back together dj and kelsey on the same podcast it feels like it's been ages how have you been it's been a been a minute we haven't been able to coagulate schedules very well yeah it's a little little long term long time coming on this one uh, it's been too long actually but no yeah we're back finally so it's great it's great to be back that it is and what we're gonna do is since we're finally back we're gonna do a little thing basically looking at the nfl we did our mid-season awards what we think so far so we're going to look back at some of our predictions going into the season back. Wow, that was a really smart prediction. And boy, oh boy, I wish we didn't bring this up because I feel stupid now. You want to go first? Let's start with one of yours from before the season that you predicted that is playing out pretty well midway through this season. Uh, so far, the one that's playing out pretty well. I mean, I could go the easy way and pick the Patriots. That doesn't count. We're talking but... about like a sleeper. Come on now, don't be that guy. <laughs> But considering, I, I don't think you can call him a sleeper, but I think considering all the injuries they've had, namely Drew Brees and the Saints on top of the NFC South, I mean, it's just it's crazy to see uh, Teddy Bridgewater coming in and leading him leading him to an undefeated record while he was the quarterback. Uh, Sean Payton coaching his way around Drew Brees being out. It's it's crazy to see, and we actually talked about it many times. Will that defense show back up? Well, they showed back up. The, the, the Saints defense has looked like the Saints defense from two years ago before the Minnesota Miracle. So I think that's probably the one so far, looking at the rest of the rankings, that is probably probably going the best for me, other than the obvious, you know, the Patriots teams. Um, but yeah, that's probably the best one for me. But what about you? What's the best one you got going from your predictions early on? 
The one that you motherfuckers laughed at me for. <laughs> 49ers going 11 and 5. They're already at nine wins right now. Nine and one with Jimmy Garoppolo dropping four touchdowns on the Cardinals and a comeback win. It's not pretty by any means. It's nothing you want to really write home about. If this was the BCS era, they would probably be knocking him for it. But they they still got it. The, probably the best defensive line in football, if not one of the better ones. The best depth of running backs in the NFL. They're like 17 deep because they just keep plugging random guys in there. George Kittle's been pretty quiet this season and they haven't missed a beat. Bringing in Emmanuel Sanders gives him a number one receiver. Kendrick Bourne with like four touchdowns in the last four weeks. I mean, okay, whoever you are, welcome. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the league, I guess. Yeah, and then Richard Sherman looks revitalized. Quan Alexander's out, but they're still just plugging linebackers in and away. And so really, I feel like the 49ers pick that I had before the season, you had them at, what, 7-9, and nine, something along those lines? Yeah, yeah, I had them not even making the playoffs, sitting in third in the West. So definitely doesn't look good for me. That's not even the worst one on my list so far, <laughs> if I'm looking at it. I mean... I look at my worst one, and it's honestly got to be the Ravens. I had them at 6-10. and 10, Well. And yeah. uh, let's just say I was wrong. Um, completely and utterly wrong. Uh, they're already 8-2, and two, so I'm way wrong. And I didn't exactly have them doing a whole lot better either. I mean, I had them at about the middle in the 8-8 eight eight sort of range. So unless they go on an all-time epic collapse, they're probably going to beat my prediction too. The one that's killing me is I thought the Bears would be a force of nature this year. I thought the Monsters of the Midway would be monsters. Khalil Mack attack would just devastate quarterbacks. Eddie Jackson would assert himself as the best safety in the league, which he's arguably still doing, but not to the point of getting wins. And Mitch Trubisky would not screw up. Well, he's screwed up a lot, and he screws up more and more with every passing game. And for some reason, Tariq Cohen just can't get anything going. I don't even know if he's gotten the end zone. If he has, it's been few and far between. Once. As a, as a fantasy football owner of Tariq Cohen, I can say it's only been one time, and it was last week. I rest my case. And then David Montgomery's been nice, but they don't give him the ball enough. Trey Burton, I don't even see him on the field half the time. And when he is, I can't tell it's him. Allen Robinson's a stud. He doesn't. They can't make him work. Taylor Gabriel's a one-quarter wonder this season, basically. They're just they're a mess. They're terrible. Mitch has regressed way worse than I thought he would. The wep- they, they just can't get anything going, like... They need a new quarterback. They probably need more weapons. They need an actual running back. This trickery, they need Jordan Howard back. Like I think that's one of the things that's killing them, not having a true number one running back. Yeah. They tried to get a bunch of Swiss Army knife pieces for Matt Nagy to play with. It's like a kid that wanted the super toys but can't actually play with the normal toys. It's like he has all these cool outdoor summer toys, but it's winter. Yeah. And he has nothing that works. Like You can't use your pool or your squirt guns in winter, and now he doesn't have mitts or anything like that for a comparison. Yeah, no, he definitely feels like like what we always talk about with Coaches like Andy Reid and Sean McVay, you know, these super smart offensive coaches that just outcoach themselves. I feel like he's just making things way too complicated for this offense, for Mitch especially. Like, I feel like you just need to very, like, simplify this to very basic concepts, a straight north and south running game with David Montgomery, bringing Tariq Cohen as your little scat back on third down or shotgun situations where you're passing, and that's it. Who cares if they know? When Tariq Cohen's in the game, that is going to be a passing play. Who cares? Let Mitch run it, have it two reads and take off, make it like RG3's rookie offense. Oh, the left side of the field is covered. Okay, I'm running. Yeah, just, or Cam when he was a rookie too. I mean. just sit. Uh, Mitch is not a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. He's not a guy you can build the team around and he'll make everybody better. You can't pay him $30 million and be just fine. We've kind of learned that here by year three. We've kind of figured out, okay, he's not that guy. But you can still win with him with how good your defense is and how good your skill positions are. 
you could rally the end of this. You're not making the playoffs. The NFC is already too deep. You're too far behind. So I've just conceded my Super Bowl prediction will be wrong, and I'm not happy about it, but it's wrong. So you can still rally the rest of the season and do something, get some things going, build for next year. I mean, top of the division, the Vikings and the Packers with eight wins, I believe, each. Then the Lions, they're struggling a little bit, but they're injured. There's injuries, lack of talent. Like, neither, I don't think any, either one of us really saw the Lions as a playoff threat. <clears throat> ah, they... They had a chance. Okay, some of us saw they thought they had a playoff in, chance. In my, in, I think honestly, until injuries. I mean, now you got Matt Stafford with the non non fractured, displaced with a broken spine. Yeah, his something's wrong with his back again, and carry on going down for the rest of the season. I mean, those two pieces getting hurt when they did just that kills your offense. Their defense slowly but surely falling apart. I mean, that didn't help either. You trade away one of your better defenders at one point in time during the season. When you're still in the thick of things, like, okay. But, yeah, no, that whole division, the NFC North. We were just wrong. I hate the NFC North. <laughs> we were all very, very wrong about that. Like, like I have the Packers at 8-8. Eight and, eight, and, well, let's just say unless they lose every game from here on out, I'm going to be wrong. I had the Kirk, Vikings at third. With Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, it's very possible, though. I mean, I had the Packers at 10-6, and six, so I, I'm kind of okay with that one, but I didn't think it would look like this. And I thought the Vikings would be – Bad. I thought, honestly, the Kirk Cousin experiment would flame out this year, but he put it together. After Thielen and Stephon Diggs called him out, he basically said, all right, guys, hold my beer. And he's been a man since that point. I mean, he's had his hiccups. I mean, like, it was ugly in that first half today, and he's had moments where it hasn't been pretty, but they're pulling out W's left and right. I mean, he was capped and checked out against the Euro Cowboys, but it worked. I mean, the Cowboys were like, we will not let you throw a deep to Stephon Diggs. So he's like, oh, okay, well, Kyle Rudolph's open. Dalvin Cook's the best running back in football, not named Christian McCaffrey this year. Yeah. Like, yeah, and they're doing it without Adam Thielen, which is crazy because you would think Adam Thielen. Everyone talks about he's the best receiver on the team. I feel like Stephon Diggs has asserted himself as the best receiver on the team, with Adam Thielen as the best number two receiver in the league, arguably. Which is crazy to think about, considering we had them either in our top five, Adam Thielen in our top five, and Stephon out, or because they were both there, they were just outside them. of the top five. I mean, honestly, I feel like you can still interchange them one A and one B. But I think, yeah, as of right now, Stephon Diggs is your guy. But I think if, if this was reversed and Stephon Diggs went out and Adam Thielen was forced to step up, you would have been just fine anyway. This The same thing would have happened. I think you'd be fine. I think Stephon Diggs gives you more big play threats, which is where we've seen him been off these play actions, these deep crossing routes, these vertical routes. I think that's where he's special. Adam Thielen's a Mike Thomas type where he's a big slot receiver that, oh, I can go both ways. Oh, and I'm twice your size and I'm going to smoke you. He has that Jordy Nelson feel to him where he's, Big, deceptively fast, but not necessarily a true burner, but somehow gets open deep in weird ways. He's that Midwestern guy fast. He's got that, okay, I I have to score a touchdown here, otherwise I'm going to get cut after not having it be on a team until he was, like, what, 27 years old or whatever it was, however long it took him to yeah. get signed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where they, they're, they're too used to running away from the children of the corn, so I guess they got to be they got to be deceptively fast somehow. Well, like they got to sprint from the inside of the house to the car, otherwise they will get frostbite in that two, in that three <laughs> yards in that Minnesota cold in the winter. Exactly, and then the other team for me on the other side of the the looking at it in the AFC, the Chargers. Boy, Oof. we were all really wrong about that. They are terrible. I had them in the playoffs. I had them in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, no, I had them. Uh, I had them going up against the oh man, who is it? Chiefs and losing to the Chiefs in the playoffs. Oh yeah, it was Brendan who had them in the Super Bowl too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean. I had him at eleven and what eleven and five. Like you expect that from the Chargers. So I had him at thirteen and three, and by week five, I was wrong. Yeah, I didn't expect Melvin Gordon's holdout to 
Honestly, Melvin Gordon coming back from his holdout hurt more than Melvin Gordon holding out. They would have been better off trading him and letting Austin Eckler take the roles because he was balling those first handful of weeks. I mean, I know they lost a few early games, but I think if they wrote it out with Austin Eckler and just ignored this Melvin Gordon trash, they'd have a few more wins. Not saying Eckler's better than Gordon, but sometimes those holdouts just screw with the teams and fit matters, honestly. Absolutely. It's crazy because it feels like they're, they're forcing it. And to I, Melvin Gordon, and whereas, like, you know, with Eckler, it was like he, he was in the flow of the offense. Eckler's, I think, a little bit better pass receiver, too, which gives Phil Burrs that check down, because while it's not all Melvin Gordon's fault, the primary issue with this team is that offensive line is wet tissue paper. It looks like Andrew Luck's early offensive lines. Phil Burrs is old and senile and can't move, and he's sick of playing in Los Angeles, you could tell, because he's a, he's a San Diego guy. He, it's just not fair. He's too old and can't move. They have all these weapons, but he's immediately throwing it off his back foot every single play. Yeah. He definitely is. He's a beach guy. He was a South Carolina kid, born and raised. So he's used to some some beaches out there. San Diego is the closest thing to it. You know, yeah. Don't don't put him in a city like like L.A. That's a bad idea. But no, moving moving away from that, kind of t- two teams we talked about that you know we I think we both had pretty highly the Browns. I not so much. But. Maybe maybe you didn't as much. But I thought the Browns would do really well. Um, we're not really going to talk about records on this one, but I want to talk about the Browns Steelers. Still are somehow piecing it together through the season. Browns falling apart. And we kind of saw the Browns falling apart come to full head on Thursday. In a win, of all things, too. Yeah, in a win. Uh, Miles Garrett absolutely just looking like the dinosaurs he loves to go and dig up. Just going crazy and trying to kill Mason Rudolph. What is your take on it? He must be a Steelers fan because plenty of Steelers fans I know want to kill Mason Rudolph. <laughs> but... First things first, Miles Garrett was super far out of line, swinging the helmet. I don't care if it was the bottom side of the helmet, the top side, any side of the helmet. You can't swing it at them. I think Antonio Smith did to Richie Incognito a few years back. It was a, not on top of the head. It was to the front of the face. Still wrong. It was only a one-game suspension, I guess, because it was Richie Incognito. They didn't think as much about it. So I don't think I think he's suspended this whole year. Fined. Maybe even a couple games next year. But this whole kick my league forever is a little excessive. He could have killed somebody. Well, I mean, Antonio Smith could have killed Richie Incognito. It's still wrong. Like, they're both wrong. Don't get me. I'm not trying to say anything. Like, I'm not trying to okay it. I mean, what? Earl Thomas could have killed Mason Rudolph earlier this season. So, I mean. Exactly. I mean, like, it's, it was, there's no part of it that's right. But let's not get hasty with saying kick him out of the NFL or Colin Kaepernick him and blackball him. Like, yeah. spending the rest of the year, find the balls out of him. He lost all of his endorsements probably, honestly. Suspend him for what four games next year, even something like that. Just yeah, that'll I, round it out to like what eight, twelve total games, something like that. Yeah, you know, I, I see this, and I, I, the first thing that popped into my head when I watched this replay was the Andre Johnson, Cortland Finnegan fight, the from, hammer fists. Yeah, and where Andre Johnson straight up threw the dude, like grabbed him by the face mask, ripped his helmet off, and tried to hit him with the helmet and missed. If he made contact, would this have been the same situation? Given how much Cortland Finnegan was hated by the league, I don't think so. Probably not, because, like you said, everyone hated Corlin Finnegan. Yeah. Even Corlin Finnegan hated Corlin Finnegan. Yeah, like, I, I just look at this, and, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm with you. Miles Garrett was out of line swinging the helmet. But I think Mason Rudolph gets a little bit of quarterback privilege on this one. A little bit of quarterback privilege. Tra- yeah, exactly. I mean, he looked like a UFC fighter on the ground trying to fight his way back up. Not a good one by any means. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like an amateur. It looked like, honestly, KSI, Logan Paul, but if UFC were to happen with that. I think those two could take Mason Rudolph, but that's beside yeah. the point. And you know, I mean, he kicks he kicks Miles Garrett in the, in the crotch. That was he, he grabs him in the crotch with his left hand after after he's being held by DeCastro, and that's when Miles Garrett then throws the helmet. 
you know, and this is after this is after getting after Mason Rudolph tried to rip off his helmet in the first place. Yes, like I mean, not just rip it off, but like literally tried to break his neck, twist his helmet off that way. Like, so I think Mason Rudolph getting off with just a fine is egregious, and I think Miles Garrett being suspended for the rest of the season. Okay, the, the, honestly, the Browns aren't going anywhere, anyways. It's fine. He's that, suspended fine for his me. own thing, which means Mason Rudolph should be suspended for his own part to play in this. Exactly. I mean, like he said, grabbing the crotch, kicking the crotch, trying to pull off the helmet, and then charging after Miles Garrett's restraint. If he doesn't charge, he can't get hit in the head with a helmet. Unless Miles Garrett throws it, then this conversation is not a problem. Yeah. And you, mean, would think, you would think Mason Rudolph would learn after dying and being resurrected against the Ravens to not do be an idiot, but here he is. And then he says he won't be bullied. He instigated the whole thing. You charged him as the end of the game in which you played egregiously. Yeah. If you want to talk shit on the ground and push him, slap him in the head, whatever, that's fine. Get into a scuffle. But to play the victim after this when you get knocked on your head, well, that's what happens when you run into a damn dinosaur four times. Yeah. If I poke a dog in the face that I don't know six times, eventually it's going to snap. You know, I don't – this is the thing. I don't, I don't use the privilege word lightly. Like I would never say that about anything. But definitely this is 100% quarterback privilege, Steelers privilege, whatever way you want to take this. The league is looking out for a quarterback who should have put himself in that position, literally instigated the whole thing. Everything Cortland Finnegan did to Andre Johnson, who, by the way, is known as a mild manner guy as well, he's just like Miles as, Gary. He's been called – oh, who'd you, who's that, sir? Andre Johnson. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I, I was going to get to Miles Garrett because I thought we were talking yeah. about it, but yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. Andre Johnson and Miles Garrett, their personalities are the exact same. Miles Garrett's been called this highly intellectual dude who reads all the time and really – people even called him soft. Cause like kind of, They yeah. compared him to Carl Anthony Towns because he's not a big, bulging, two-word frat bro that likes to hit stuff. Like, he's a really smart dude yeah. who doesn't try and pick bar fights usually. And we see why because he'll kill somebody. If exactly. He like, so, I mean, obviously something happened. Mason Rudolph did something, and you can see it in the replay. You can physically see what Mason Rudolph did. You can see a few I shots to the, to the no-nos. And, and the shots alone speak for themselves. That's already suspension enough. And I'm not trying to pick on the Steelers. Yeah, you're already without Big Ben. You lost Mason for a little while as well. But look, this is a whole thing. Like, I, if, if I'm looking at this and I'm the NFL, I'm like, how do I not suspend Mason Rudolph for kicking – and grabbing in the crotch two things that are outside of the rule book that have been suspended for four games or more each individually. Like you, you suspended Dominican Sue for four games for stomping on somebody. I mean, Draymond Green got suspended going to basketball for basically being a flailing moron. So yeah. I mean, I mean uh, Draymond's just an idiot, but that's, you know, this is just, I, I don't know. This is a, like what Miles Garrett did, yes, is wrong. But I don't think he's the only guilty party. And I'm leaving out Marquise Pouncey for this because I will say I think if I'm, his, if I'm the center and I see my quarterback getting hit with a helmet, I'm going to try to kill the guy as well. But I don't think curb stomping somebody on the ground is a smart idea. So Marquise Pouncey definitely needs to get suspended for the curb stomp. Everything <laughs> else was fine. And David DeCastro just – what a man, too. Like, he did everything Marquise Pouncey did, just a little more controlled. Yeah. He, t- he, could, he restrained. He stopped the fight. He got between them before Mason Rudolph went full moron. Yeah. And then, on top of that, after Miles Garrett's point, he's the one who tackled Garrett and got him on the ground and was holding him there. Oh, there was, and there was definitely some punches thrown by DeCastro, but he did, he did it in a subtle way. I think they were more almost like pushes to the face with a little bit of force, too. Yeah, like they, I mean, were, they, he they definitely were. posture up and start throwing hammer fists like he was... Daniel Cormier or some something. He was really contained about it, like which, yeah. like you said, if someone hits your quarterback and your offensive lineman, hands will be thrown. Absolutely, and I just and you know Pouncey got suspended for three games, fine, but I I think his should have been extended for the rest of the season. 
just because it was so egregious to the curb stomp. Like, it was out in the open. It was very obvious. And you can honestly, just from this thing, look at all the players' reactions, too. I can't even think that speaks words. Not one person says Mason Rudolph is the victim here. They're all like, well, hold on now, guys. Yeah. Everyone's screenshotting the crotch grabs and everything. And even I'm going to go to one of my more favorite teams. We're going to look at the Colts. They asked Ryan Kelly, like, what happened to someone that did choke Kobe Brissett? He's like, oh, no doubt about it. If someone tries to beat shit out of him, we're going to beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Do you want to see Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson charging it? No <laughs> one's touching Jacoby Brissett for the rest of his career now. You know, and it's funny because I, I, as much as I don't like Dak, if the same thing happened to Dak, I, would you like to see Travis Frederick, <laughs> Zach Martin? Zach Martin. Uh, Lyle Collins, by the way, by himself is a scary man. Tyron Smith. Uh, Jason Witten would be out there. I mean, like, good luck to whoever that, that man is. You get Zeke. Coming to kill somebody, too. Just coming to eat them, basically. You might get T.O. coming out of the stand saying, that's my quarterback, man. You know, I, 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 who knows? <laughs> so, it, you know, honestly, I think the whole situation got crazy. But to me, this wasn't even, like, the worst part of the game. I think that that hit, uh, the Demarius Randall hit on, was it Deontay Johnson? Was it Deontay? Yeah, I think it was. Is either, Yeah, because Juju <laughs> also left with a concussion, too. So yeah, like, Deontay Johnson was bleeding out of the year. And that's just... You, That's a suspension-worthy hit. I mean, like... I, we've seen some egregious shots to the head. I mean, I mentioned the Earl Thomas head hit earlier. That was somehow not called. But, yeah. I mean, it turns out maybe Mason Rudolph had it coming. He just got it a little bit early. I don't know. But <laughs> maybe this maybe is, that's why he's not suspended. Like, he's already been resurrected once. We don't need is, to do this again. Yeah, this is reverse karma. I, but this is what's crazy about the NFL to me is... Is something that happens during the flow of the game... Is just ignored by something that two honestly tummies are getting involved in Uh, i mean you look at that hit and you're just like that's something we need to take out of the game and you know we we talked about it this weekend watching some of the college games like you know some of these hits it's just like at what point is the point where you want to take it out of the game that one to me is the picture perfect one that's the one that they should be worked like some of the other ones like oh he touched the contact with the quarterback's head that's annoying and everyone hates it when you get smacked upside the head like a five star to the head yeah but that hit is why you have the rule in place so that's Demaris Randall needed to get I like Demaris Randall in spite of his overall pettiness that we've seen on full display <laughs> I I really like him but that's a suspension worthy hit he needs to be suspended for a couple games he needs to be fined like. This was just ugly. These two teams, like, for some reason, the Steelers are always involved in this. First it was them and the Ravens, and then them and the Bengals, and now them and the... They always find a way to just make a game unnecessary, it feels like. It's AFC North. Ugh, just... But it's always the Steelers. You don't see the Ravens and the Browns do this as often. You don't really see Well, the... I mean, uh, do, do you blame the Ravens for not getting involved in the pettiness? I mean, why would they? They're dominating everybody. Exactly. But I'm just saying, like, year in and year out, even when the Steelers own the division, they're getting in fights with other teams all the time. I mean... I'll, I'll throw out one thing for you and just to think about. One correlation between every Steelers game that ha- this happens in is Mike Tomlin. Oh, you mean the guy who has zero control over his team, but he speaks really well, so that's why he's still kind of at his job. And he won a Super Bowl with Bill Cowher's players, and so Antonio Holmes danced her like toes? Yeah. Yeah, okay, as long as we're on the same page. Yeah. And then arguably lost that one against the Packers because of relatively mediocre overall coaching and preparation? Yeah. Yeah, that, okay. that guy. Yes. Yeah. That's the one correlation I have between every time the Steelers get involved in one of these things or, God forbid, the the pregame anthem where uh, Villanueva is the only person, quote-unquote, photographed is because Mike Tomlin told him to go stand out a little bit further than everybody else. You know, it's like – it's situations like – Mike Tomlin is is the Steelers' worst enemy. And this is coming from a, a guy who does not like these Steelers at all. If they get rid of Mike Tomlin, the Steelers would be better for it. 
And all this is said in spite of the fact that they have done a good job without Ben Roethlisberger staying relevant, how they rebuilt that <laughs> yeah. defense. I'm just going to turn it back to football really quick because, like, while these are all correct, I can already hear the Steeler fan complaints. So I'm going to turn it to the how well they've done losing Big Ben. Juju's had a little bit of a slump here and there because he's the number one guy and they don't have a quarterback. James Conner's been a two-game wonder this year. But that defense has flipped 90 degrees in his top two in takeaways. Minka Fitzpatrick. In my video, I have him as defensive player of the year. Like yeah. trading for him, everyone said was stupid, but who's a better safety in the league than him right now? Really, I can't think of one. I, I mean, I even mentioned him when I was talking about it. It's he's so good. I just, you know, I, I just I dock him a little bit for being with, I, unfortunately, for being with the Dolphins at the beginning of the season. Um, but honestly, not just even Mika, but like guys like Devin Bush, he's, you know, TJ Watt, like stepping up. You know, obviously TJ Watt's been a big player for him for since he's joined, gotten in the league. But Devin Bush is somebody they kind of took a flyer on and said, we hope you're as good as we think you are. He was a first-round grade. The Steelers traded up to, what was it, pick nine to get him. And they're like, we need you to basically be Ryan Shazier since Ryan Shazier is not playing. And, and he's done everything you could ask for him. He is yeah. a flying ball hawk. Joe Hayden's been even revitalized a little bit, too. He looks pretty good again. Like, he, I was, he was starting to – you could see it with his skills were starting to fade a little bit. The little bit of athleticism was gone, but – Minka's brought them alive. Having that center field safety that you're not safe anywhere on the field has revitalized all of them. Absolutely. I I, I mean, and that's just as crazy as, you know, they they are somehow keeping it together throughout throughout all of this. You know, I mentioned a little bit before we got started talking about the Garrett and stuff, but it is funny to see that the Steelers, despite everything, is somehow still five and five. They something did, like that. It's it's ridiculous. They did get lucky, because I'm gonna use this to transition to our next topic. They did get lucky that when they played the Colts, Jacoby Brissett went out because that brought in Brian Hoyer, who is the worst quarterback in the league. <laughs> I think if anyone who's watched him, especially Browns fans, I've talked to a few of them, they're like, oh, good, you know our pain now. Yeah. Who got beat out by Johnny Manziel, if I'm not mistaken, and is just terrible. Why he's in the league, but a certain quarterback who went to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game a while back is not in the NFL. We're turning this towards the Colin Kaepernick situation right now, and so, the Colts okay. clearly don't need Colin Kaepernick because you have Jacoby Reset. He's your guy. And bringing in Kaepernick could, might upset things a little bit because Kaepernick's just good enough to where his fan base and loyal supporters that stand for like, put him in over Brissett, and it could make a bit of a whirlwind, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, Brissett's, and unnecessary media. And when Brissett's your guy, but he hasn't stepped up to be the Tom Brady, the Peyton Manning quiet guys, he's not that guy that, oh, he's safe. He's that guy who's really good and a starting quarterback. Yeah. So don't bring him in if you're the Colts. I get that. I've just used the Brian Hoyer thing to transition us over here because – Watching Brian Hoyer play quarterback is painful. It's yeah. terrible. Kaepernick, the workout. You start. You have your pretty strong opinion on this. I'm gonna let you go first. I think Kaepernick should have been in the league from day we agree one on that. that he was released. I think he should have been immediately signed. At that time, it was by the Bills or the Jets. I still think Kaepernick should be in the league. And I will say this: if anybody watches any highlights from his. Open workout. workout. I, I don't even know. Audition try. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, it, you know, honestly, if the NFL had put this on, I think it would have been a circus. Oh, it would have been trash, and he'd have been throwing to me or you. Basically, they'd have been just like yeah. to, which, if you had been throwing to me, he would be in the NFL right now. Oh, uh, well, okay, all right, Hunter Renfro, calm down over there. But no, it, it, you know, it's it, it's one of those things. Like the NFL tried to make this into a circus, and him and his team, I will say, absolutely cut it down and said, no, we're gonna do this. In an open, visible, clear way. Like a co- like the pro days in college yeah. almost, just a little smaller. Exactly. Obviously. It was exactly like a college pro day. And he did it j- just outside of Atlanta. 
you know, not, they said it was an hour outside of Atlanta. And the only reason it's an hour outside of Atlanta, if you ever driven through Atlanta traffic, exactly. you have to drive through the spaghetti bowl to get there, which is the worst part of traffic, in my opinion, in the nation on, a, on interstate. It's really only 15 miles, but it takes an hour to get there. Point aside, oh my gosh, he looks better as a passer now than he did before. Like he used to have trouble overstriding on all of his deep balls and all of his short darts. He and looked good in this. Uh, granted, I will for everyone. It's already like yeah. it, it's a workout. We get it. It's not perfect. A lot of guys have. Jamarcus Russell lit it up at his pro day. He looked like the second coming of Jesus. And Kaepernick, what I liked is he still showed the ability to throw the deep ball. He still showed the ability to throw the ball. He wasn't missing people. It was everything was catchable. Everything was solid. He showed some good touch on some of the passes, like you said. Yeah. He looked like a starting quarterback. So what I'm gonna do really quick here. I got a list of every damn team in front of me. <laughs> I'm going to go through them in here and tell me, do you think he could start or at least should be on this roster? Okay. Saints, no. probably not, because they already have two quarterbacks. The Falcons, really no. I mean, Actually, Matt Ryan. yes. I could see him being a backup to Matt Ryan. What we're going to say, like, compete for the starting job. like because every. <laughs> well, with the way Matt Ryan's playing right now, yeah, I think so until today. I'm going to say you have all that money in Matt Ryan. I'm going to say no. Right, yeah. No, I mean, honestly, because of the contract they put in Matt Ryan now. And because he's still your guy. I mean, I know they've struggled, but it's not all his fault. He's had good moments. He's had a few bad moments, but he's played pretty well overall throughout the season. Yeah. He, most of the times they lose, he has like two touchdowns, 250 yards or more. Absolutely. The Panthers. Yes. Yes. He's better than Kyle Allen. I like Will Greer. They haven't given him a shot yet. Cam Newton's gone for the year. Yeah. Ka- yeah. Will Greer hasn't been given a shot since he got injured in preseason. That's, exactly. That's disappointing. The Bucks, 100% we both agree he should be the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers. Honestly, the Bucks could actually be competing for the NFC South right now if he, they had Colin Kaepernick. If they had Kaepernick, basically, if he's 88% of his best that we saw at the 49ers when he was running for 180 yards and anything like that, if we have 88% of that, the Bucks are in a wild-card contention spot. I still think the Saints are the cream of that crop. but Absolutely. I, I just think I think they're competing for a playoff. Jumping down. The the Packers in the North. No, no, the Aaron Rodgers. I know he gets injured, but we're not talking about the injury. We're talking about everyone healthy where he yeah. competes for no, starting Aaron Rodgers has that. He's the only, I think Aaron Rodgers is the only person that can make this team 8 Nate. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you did there. Yeah. The Vikings, yes and no. I think early in the season, 100%, but the way Kirk has played recently, not going to take anything away from him. Kirk's been their guy. They have the money invested in him for at least one more year. I'll say that he doesn't. They don't need to take a flyer on him, but they could, unless Kirk Ramley starts dipping again. I will say this. Put him on the roster in the offseason to let him compete against Kirk. Right now, no. Exactly. Not now. If you asked me three games ago, yes. And maybe if you asked me in three games from now, yes. And I think the way their offense is built, it's built on that play action off the bootleg, which I don't know if Kaepernick's is good. I think he's more play action with the threat to run, where these yeah. ones don't really. This is more of a Jay Plummer with good mobility, but not a running type quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's hard because Cap has those long strides, too. And so play action, he has to work his footwork into that, and it's really difficult. Don't wrong. I think he could do it. With all those weapons, it could work. They'd have to retailer the offense, but he's not a guy where after this workout or even early in the season you're like let's just get him in there yeah i mean he can hand the ball off to dalvin cook 15 times and keep the ball from dalvin cook 15 mm-hmm. times and throw it to stefan Diggs 10 and it'd be fine the lions he's not better than matt stafford i but with matt stafford it just suffered the injury yes i do think he well, we're also off. saying that everything's healthy like if yeah, you're a team no, would yeah. you have given him a chance going to this season more or less no if he's if 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 everybody's healthy i'm not putting him on the line like do you risk bringing him in there honestly like right, right now, now with, yeah Right now, yes, but I'm saying overall, like everything's healthy. Like you don't, no, you overall, want to bring him in to compete with your starting quarterback. Overall, that's Matt Stafford's team until the day Matt Stafford dies, basically, or until some <laughs> until he just falls off the cliff. Yeah, until he just says, you know, I'm done with this, guys. And then the obvious answer: the Bears. You bring him in, he starts from day one. They start winning games. He's a 
He's Trubisky he's what with Mitch skill. Trubisky wants to be. That's what we all want Mitch Trubisky to be, basically. Yeah, and and it's it's bothering me say that because, I, I mean, why do why are Bears fans hoping Mitch Trubisky can be like Cap, but they don't want Cap? Well, to be fair, I think most Bears fans hate Trubisky at this point. Yeah, that's true. And when you take him in the second second overall pick, you know the rookie year struggled. Last year he had he was actually pretty decent overall. I mean, he had so I think they were hoping to build off of that. Right now. Pretty much every Bears fan's like, please, Cam, Kaepernick, anybody, come yeah, by. Yeah, that's true. It's a little late in the season now, but yeah. So we're moving on now. We go to the West. The Rams, Jared Goff, that's, it's Jared Goff's team right now. He struggled this year. You put all that money in him. You don't bring in Kaepernick. I think that Jared Goff is perfect for Sean McVay's system. And I don't think – I mean, Cap could work, but I think Jared Goff's fine. Don't. Yeah, that's too big, too, too perfect of a fit. Yeah. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson's a top three quarterback this year. Don't touch that. If Russell Wilson were to ever decide to retire right now, though, I do think that would be, again – too perfect of a fit to not try Kaepernick in that offense. I mean, they did want to bring him in as a backup at one point. Yeah, so. Yeah. so. The Cardinals, you just drafted Kyler Murray. You're No, don't worry about but it. But if you decide to run away from Kyler Murray like you did Josh Rosen. I think you're kind of missing the point of this right now. <laughs> and then the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo is your guy. No, you paid not him. happening. Yeah, yeah, they're set there. We go to the East now. The Giants, Danny Dimes is your guy. You just drafted him. Yeah. yeah no. No. The Redskins. Technically, Dwayne Haskins your guy, but even you don't show any faith in him. But that's also the Jay Gruden thing. They're just a mess. We're going to leave just an asterisk next. Time. I would say this until they, up until they had just named Dwayne Haskins a starter, if, I think he had he can walk in there and start immediately. I think if you're going to keep a veteran that go in there and start with Alex Smith gone, you should have brought him in over Case Keenum, that trash fire, yeah. and then Colt McCoy, like all that sort of thing. But like. the moment you name Dwayne Haskins your starter, you can't take that back. It's I feel the same way about college and freshmen. Like, the moment you name him your starter, and I you think honestly, ride. I think at this point, just you, your season's trash. I think you kind of just knew it by week two. Just let your guys get some experience. In fact, it took him this long to let Dwayne Haskins go in there. I don't care if he's not ready. Let him go in there and take a slump. See what you have. Exactly. The Eagles, Carson Wentz is your guy. You gave him all that money. The team sucks this year most because their entire receiving core is broken and trash. Yeah. The Cowboys, I know you hate yourself some Dak and you love Kaepernick, but Dak's played well this season. He's your guy. If you're the Cowboys, you don't take a flyer. You like him right now. You personally if don't. Before, I will say this. If we're talking before the season, before what I knew I would get out of Kellen Moore's offense with Dak, how, how integrated it is to Dak, I would have considered it. And honestly, depending on how much Dak and the pay thing goes, maybe you consider it at the end of the season Absolutely. if you can't figure it out. Because I know you're not a big Dak fan, and I personally, I think he's good. He's a starting quarterback, but there's nothing special with Dak. He's, I don't it's kind of like how you described Jacoby. He's a good starting NFL quarterback. I like Jacoby a little bit more, oh, but I think the same. Dak has, a, has outstanding intangibles, and he has moments like even against the Lions recently. He was he can hit the open guy, no problem. It's can he hit the unopened guy is what I want. Can, can he throw he, somebody open? And can he make the quick – like he can make those quick reads, but can he sit back there and read the defense if nobody gets open? Can he slice somebody open? Can right. he? And, and my problem with Dak is he's – for as big as he is and as good as running as he is, he's too afraid to run. And when he does run, it's – the moments that they don't – he doesn't run like you want him to run, honestly. He's tentative. He, he, he looks scared. When he wants to run and when he commits to, like in that playoff game against Seattle last year, it's like, oh, wow, that's not Cam Newton, but that's a pretty similar-looking type of player. Jim Brown? What? Yeah, well, let's not get <laughs> We'll jump over to the AFC now. Just go through it. We'll go through it quickly. The Patriots? No, you don't. No. The Jets? Sam Darnold's your guy right now. You don't. No, Same not. with the Bills. Josh Allen's your no. guy. The Dolphins, maybe, because you clearly don't have any faith in Josh Rosen. Yeah, seriously. At this point, what are you, what are you guys doing down there? I mean, Brian Fuentes, 
Just throw the money at the man. Honestly, Brian Flores, I see what you're doing here. You, I think at this point they're just like, screw I think they wanted to lose like the Colts, but Brian Hoyer said, hold my beer. I think they're trying to tank and see what they can get quarterback-wise. <laughs> it's not going to be too, uh, sorry. We'll get there. Too soon, my bad. The Chiefs, you got the future of the league in your hands. Just yeah, don't get hurt. Don't mess that up. Chargers, not now because Phil Burries is your guy right now, but you think about it as a replacement. Going into the offseason, it depends on what Phil Rivers decides in the offseason. And at the same time, I don't think you do because if they do want to get a new quarterback, I don't think you take a 31-year-old bridge guy because you have a lot of those young pieces still. I think you just get a young guy and redo it because Kaepernick's really good, and he can win with this team, but does he make you a Super Bowl team? I don't know necessarily because they got to rebuild that offensive line. That's Again, the first it depends thing. on what they do in the offseason. If Philip Rivers decides to retire and if they move on from Melvin Gordon and get pieces back, it depends. I think they want to go with a young quarterback with a rookie contract. That one is, goes into a middle category of it depends on what happens in the offseason. Most likely not on paper, not, but we'll see how things could change. The Raiders, Derek Carr's asserted himself. He's the man. I think Derek Carr's almost at a Pro Bowl level, honestly. I think no, but it, honestly, when it comes down to the Raiders, it, what does John Gruden think? All right, we're ignoring John Gruden. I'm saying, if I was running the, I'm saying if I was running the team, but the Broncos, you probably honestly do at this point because Flacco's broken. This Brandon Allen kid looks okay, but I don't know if he's – and you have Drew Locke still so you haven't got a chance to see, so – if you get rid of Fluco, you can bring in Kaepernick as your veteran guy just to compete and maybe win you some games. Who knows? But honestly, I, this is they're a, another one where it's the like the Broncos I are an absolute shit show, and whatever they do at quarterback, I honestly don't want Kaepernick, Kaepernick to go to the Broncos for no other reason than I don't want to ruin Kaepernick. Yeah, they're not a quarterback friendly place, even though they have the weapons and stuff. Like they're clearly in a transition period, but they've been weirdly competitive. So I think. Not Kaepernick now, but if Kaepernick was like a few years younger, like when he was first a free agent, like when he was Absolutely. 28, and if he was still that now, he could be a guy who come in and basically flip the offense. But I think Cap's in the 31-year-old range. This team's still a couple years away. I think they need to see if they have a Drew Locke first. You if, drafted him, see what he can do. If we could turn back the clock to when they re or when they re-signed Brock Osweiler. Or when they initially wanted Kaepernick but couldn't work it out. Exactly. Yeah, you know, if you can turn back the clock to that moment and get Kaepernick instead of Brock Osweiler or actually sign Cap. Okay. Or the guy basically right after Peyton Manning, too. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll go to the north. The Browns, Baker has struggled, but I think he's still your guy. You still got to yeah. ride with him at least one more. There's too much upside with Baker. The Steelers, up until we saw Mason Rudolph basically implode, I thought Mason Rudolph was their guy, but he's honestly looked like trash for a lot of the games this season. And then seeing that little thing with the Browns, I take a flyer on Kaepernick. I mean, I you have Ben Roethlisberger. He's not exactly a haven for civility. I think you can take Kaepernick with his, oh, I took a knee. Like, well, you're not, you can't say, oh, character issues. I mean, that's not that's not going to work there in Pittsburgh. Yep, moving on. <laughs> so then we go to the Bengals. You clearly are done with Andy Dalton. You bring in Kaepernick there 100%. Yeah. Unless you're going in for that young rookie quarterback and completely rebuilding. Exactly. Which I think they're doing. I think they wanted to see Ryan Finley. I never liked him, honestly. I'm not sold, but. He was okay in college. He has a big arm. It's, that's he, what he it can is. Re, he can half read a defense as long as they're running a cover two or a cover three he's good if he has time to sit back there and take his time reading but the, he can't the speed moment, read yet the moment they disguise anything he's he's out of luck the ravens nah yeah <laughs> lamar that is lamar's team until the day lamar dies and honestly having rg3 as the backup too has helped his career so much i think too yep that will go to the south if you're the texans you got deshaun watson that dude's a future Sorry. that dude's a superstar we look at the colts Jacoby Brissett, I think Jacoby and Colin could be pretty much equal in their overall impact. I think if you're the Colts, you just sign Jacoby. Don't bring Kaepernick. It brings in a little bit of, I don't want to say a shit show, but it brings in unnecessary attention to the quarterback position. When, for, for a team that is, if you look at the Colts, and they just had that big, huge change with Andrew Luck retiring, 
you're in a stable place. Don't bring in anything that's going to ruin the stability. Honestly, if Jacoby Brissett doesn't get hurt, they probably beat that. I honestly think they could beat the Steelers. I know it was, I mean, it was like, what, three to nothing, seven to three, something like that when he yeah. got, went down. They were in the red zone. Brissett's a staunch, calm, steady force who's getting better with each game. I mean, today yeah. he looked, he didn't, his first game back against the Jaguars defense, he looked pretty calm, cool, collected, rifle arm. You're good with that. You don't need him. I think, I think what Jacoby brings to a team is exactly what Cap brings to a team, anyways. It's that leadership, that calm, collected, person to play quarterback don't get me wrong Brissett's not going to be as fast or as as intangible as Kaepernick would be but I think for what the Colts have if everybody's healthy then he is perfect for the Colts and I think it's just like a Jared Goff in LA it's just perfect for the situation I do think Jacoby does everything Cap does just a little bit better except run obviously yeah. I think arm strength they kind of wash out I think Jacoby's touch is just a little bit better his overall accuracy is a little bit better the leadership, everything they talk about the Colts. He was a leader when Andrew Luck was there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he does it, everything with Cap does just a little bit better. Like, if Cap's a B plus, uh, Jacoby's an A minus and everything minus running, obviously, Kaepernick's Lamar Jackson when it comes to running, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Tight. Although I think Lamar has the edge. <laughs> Speed-wise, for sure, but I mean. I, after seeing what he did to, who was it last week? Bengals. Just the ba- yeah, I mean, you're, you're wrong, it's the Bengals, but still, he made grown men look like they were small children on the field. I mean, if you could take either one running at you downhill, screw that. Because, I mean, Lamar's going to make you twist your ankles, and Colin Kaepernick's probably just going to stride her at you and make you scared because his legs will be going over your head. I, honestly, by the time I think I could figure out what I wanted to do, they'd both be by me, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah, that's a good point. You're just there to take up the blocks. <laughs> the Titans, yes, because Mariota's trash and Ryan Tannehill's been surprisingly acceptable this year, but neither one's Colin Kaepernick. If you want to win games, you bring in Kaepernick. If you know you're getting new quarterbacks, you've decided Mariota's trash, then don't bring him in. But Absolutely. I think, I think you bring in Cap before the season, and you're competing up top in that division. I think they're probably in a similar spot because I don't like a lot of the talent around the quarterback position besides Derrick Henry, really, and Corey Davis is nice, but in that offense, he's kind of wasted. That's my point, though. That's because you have Mariota. Well, if, I'm thinking if you like, put Kaepernick instead of Mariota, I think you can utilize Corey Davis and the young kid from Ole Miss whose name is not running through my brain right AJ now. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, thank you. And you actually use Delaney Walker. and Well, Delaney's been dinged up in it. Yeah, yeah, but I think, if all healthy. I think the Titans have receivers that would be so good in a pass offense, but they run a run offense. That's what I think kind of kills them, too. Like. DK Metcalf's a good receiver for a run offense because he's a big, big blocker, can make big plays. And I think you need those kind of receivers with Kaepernick, like Anquan Bolden was, Michael Crabtree. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, think he's better in a multidimensional offense where, like, he's clearly better than Mariota and Tannehill. There's no question about that. And if he's on the team, they're definitely better. I just don't know if they're competing for the division is all. They're probably at about the same spot with the 4-5, and 5-4 five, five and four type record. It's just yeah. a lot prettier and you're, it's a lot brighter than, oh, we kind of got lucky beating the poop out of the Browns. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm still... Just looking at the teams they've played, I don't know if he makes that big enough difference to beat those teams they lost to as all. Well. Yeah, it's possible. This is also a different Kaepernick than we saw. And this is, this is what the hard part is. It's been three years since we saw him in the league against actual defenders. I'm just picking him basically at his peak is how I'm thinking of him, honestly. Yeah, he's... but we never saw it. And, then, and to me, I, I guess I've never seen his peak because we only saw three years of him, really. Well, I'm thinking his peak, like when he went to the Super Bowl and then the NFC Championship game after. I'm picking the, the best we've seen of Kaepernick is what I'm basing off of. And and that's what the, that's what's hard is he was still growing. And I I mean I, I know it, it's tough to tough to see. But now you're just going off stuff we have no idea. It, well, mm-hmm. I mean that's what makes it so hard is if I'm taking Kaepernick from before, then it's yes to about half these teams. But if we're looking at what he did in the tryout in the workout, then 
I mean, it's it's tough because he does look more like a passer against Eric. Now, like, yeah, but that's how you, that's how we rate rate kids coming into the league now. Well, yeah, no, that's it's against Eric. We all knew he could throw the ball. Is all I'm saying. I think yeah. we all kind of knew that. It's just tough. It's it's hard in this situation. And then I look at the Jaguars. He's better than Nick Foles. You clearly aren't going to go all in on Gardner Minshew because you decided to bench him for Nick Foles. So and might as well bring him in then if you're not going to play him. This is the one I think it's too much money put into Nick Foles, and that's the only reason they wouldn't bring him in. Nick Foles didn't look that great today. I mean, he had a few decent passes to DJ Shark, but that's about it. So I mean, yeah, he didn't look good, but I, I mean, it's it's just a situation where you put so much money into the guy. That's the only reason I think they don't they don't put him in Jacksonville. That's what otherwise he works in that offense. Basically throw the ball to DJ Shark, hand it to Leonard Fournette, or run around. Exactly. Just be annoying as hell and hope Josh Allen gets a bunch of sacks. Absolutely. And then since we're talking quarterbacks, we can just go to college right now as it is. The best quarterback in college football, the future of the NFL, number one overall pick, Tua, with an unfortunate, devastating injury in a game where they absolutely ramrodded Mississippi State, and he didn't really need to be in there. Nope. Nick Saban saying like he wants to run the two-minute drill and he was done. I kind of get that, but at the same time, when you're up 28-7, to 7, I would just be like, no, nah, it's cool. Najee Harris is already taking this entire game over. It's already over. You can come over here, too. We'll keep you healthy. We know you're coming off a bum ankle. Let's just go over here and hang out. We got Auburn coming up. We're still in that national championship hunt. Let's just chill. You're okay. Yeah, this is one of those cases where I'm going to set aside my hate for Bama for a second and think from Nick Saban's point of view or from any coach's point of view. You're up five touchdowns. You're 35 to, 35 to nothing at the time. 35-7. Oh, sorry, 35-7. So you're up four touchdowns. You have, as you just said, the quote-unquote best quarterback in the nation, the next coming of Jesus Christ himself, the man from Hawaii, you know, blah, 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 all these accolades thrown at Tua that evidently you're going to keep him on the field to run a quote-unquote two-minute offense that he has run in practice how many times? He's run in game situations how many times in his time in Alabama already? A lot. Why are you keeping him on the field when you need to? You need the guy to get into the playoffs. You're already beating a decimated Mississippi State team. Like this is literally just the dumbest coaching job I've ever seen. I like Nick Saban and I respect Nick. I won't say I like Nick Saban. I respect hmm. what Nick Saban does as a coach a lot of the time. But this is one of those moments where I think Nick Saban was buying too much into the window dressing. That gets thrown thrown out there all the time about talking about the college football playoff committee, how they like the window dressings, the blowing out teams, which is why Ohio State was ranked number one in the first poll. While beating absolutely nobody. Exactly. But they beat them by a lot. So evidently that means something. That doesn't mean crap. It doesn't mean anything if you beat a team by a lot or if you beat a team by a little. It really shouldn't. But unfortunately, when they're doing these rankings, like you said, they showed it. When LSU is beating five top ranked teams, they don't get number one until they beat Alabama. Exactly. And it's, it, you know, it's... It's disappointing that Nick Saban, a guy who has prided himself on protecting his players, and has literally he has done everything right for his players throughout his time in Alabama. Look how many people he's gotten to the NFL, and more than half of them probably have no business being there. That's why they unfortunately some of them flame out, but he gets in there. He does his part. Absolutely. And and this is where I'm talking about I'm going to put my Alabama hatred aside is because I respect what he does for these kids. He gets them out of their position and puts them in a position to succeed. He didn't do that with Tua. He just threw Tua to the Wolves. If Tua is 100% healthy and this is a freak accident, okay, I won't judge. But you know he's coming off a dead ankle. He probably sh- – playing against LSU, there's like, oh, he's, they use every excuse in the book for him going into that game and during the game. So why not carry it over a little bit? like, And tell him, don't scramble. If you have any pressure, throw that away. Yeah. Once you're up 21-0, to 21-7, whatever, it's like coast. 
Yeah, Najee I mean, Harris already owned oh, the game was already in his hands. It was over. And you have a, a very capable backup in Mac Jones who has already shown the, the the ability to win. I know it wasn't against anybody important, but you're not playing anybody important now. So it's, it's Mississippi fine. State who honestly they're not the same as Mississippi, Mississippi State last year. They're not Dak Prescott led Mississippi State. They're not last year's defense. Yeah, that was number one. I this mean, is just a pretty okay team. This is a, an injury prone Mississippi State team who is in turmoil, who doesn't have any reason being on the field with you. They showed that. You, honestly, this is – I hate it from the standpoint of being an Auburn fan because now if Auburn beats Alabama, it's always going to be about, well, Tua was injured. Well, if Tua wasn't injured, you know, the same same concepts that, that many fans hate when somebody this big gets injured is like there's always going to be that asterisk next to it. And, and honestly, if Alabama doesn't make the playoffs and Alabama loses to Auburn – and this, I'm going to look back at this moment and be like, this is the exact moment where Nick Saban start, lost this season. Was the moment he decided to be greedy. I don't want to hear anything about the two-minute offense because two has been there for two years. He won you that game, which has got the starting job in the two-minute offense. You sh- he showed it against LSU last year. I don't want it. Against Mississippi State, you're not going to learn anything new going into the Auburn game. Like, I just don't think it's worth it. I, I might be missing something. I understand yeah. sometimes they don't pull their starters till halftime. Look, but when you have a quarterback on the bum ankle that he already had, you know he can't move, and he's already shown to be really brittle in his career. You already know your quarterback's made of porcelain. I, he's been he, – he, he won out the job against Jalen Hurts mid, in the college football playoff because of his ability in the two-minute offense. He came in against Georgia to beat – Georgia in a national championship game and threw it in the finest gaps in a two-minute offense as a freshman two years ago. He was a full-time starter last year getting full-time first-team first reps. And got you to a national championship game where you ran into the Trevor Lawrence buzzsaw that nobody saw coming. Where he re-injured his leg in the in the – SEC championship yeah. game against Georgia where Jalen Hurts came in and Jalen Hurts away. And, and so you see he, he's already prone to injury, but he can run a two-minute offense better than probably most teams. And, and again, this is me setting aside my Alabama hatred kind and of. saying that he is a good two-minute guy because two minutes are very – it's a very simple passing scheme. It's quickest – it's the, open, the most open guy closest to the sideline. That's all you got to do. If you got to throw a guy open, you throw it to the sideline. It's chuck it, chuck it deep, chuck it to the sideline, or if there's a wide open slant, you hit him and let him take it up, take the 20 yards, and then lose like 10. Get and then get, immediately get up the first down mark and get up and, and run the next play. And it's, it's, it's and the most important part is it's a vanilla defense at all times. They don't have time yeah. to do checks and do everything. It's like, okay, cover three, okay, cover four, okay, cover two. Like, And that's why this excuse of it was his last drive, He was just we just want to get experience in the two-minute or two practice offense. the two. What, I don't want to hear any of that. Well, like, what did you just do against LSU last week? You ran the two-minute offense. Basically coming out of halftime because you had no choice. Yeah, like, like, literally. like four oh. first-round pick receivers on your roster, arguably. Yes, your backup could come in and handle it. I I don't like it. I, I if you're, Like I said, if two is 100% healthy, he doesn't come off an ankle surgery, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. let him get going to halftime. That's pretty standard. But you have to know the situation. It's kind of like when... Everyone chastised Bill Belichick for a last year putting Gronkowski deep against an injured Ryan Tannehill who can't throw a Hail Mary. So Gronkowski's left to try and tackle Kenyon Drake. You got to know the situation there. Yep. Nick Saban didn't know the si- – he didn't assess the situation properly here. So that's the – that's my biggest thing is you di- he didn't assess the situation. Like everything about it on paper, if you take away the, take away that stuff, it makes sense. 
but you're missing the giant zit right in the middle of it that I, yeah. is very un-Nick Saban-like. And Nick I was, Saban's really good at identifying those giant zits. I will say this, though. And this is, I'm going to go out on a limb now, and this is kind of going to be my Alabama hate coming out maybe a little bit. Oh, really? We couldn't tell it until now. Uh, I'm going to say that this is the downfall of Nick Saban at Alabama. I'm definitely – that limb's way out there. I mean, I'm going to say within two years, Nick Saban will retire and have left Alabama. We'll see. I mean, I wouldn't mind you being right because that mean a little bit more parity in college football, hopefully. Hell, take away Dabo Sweeney from Clemson, too, while we're at it. Just, you know, help mix it up a little bit for all of us. But Well, it's something that's been thrown around in the last three offseasons that maybe he's getting tired of it. And you look at his team this year. Let's be honest. You look at that defense. That's not an Alabama defense we're used to seeing. They have some first-round picks, but not the normal. it's not an entire first-round pick defense. And, you don't have the Reggie Raglins, the Drake Kirkpatricks, the Jonathan Allens. No, it, you, don't have a, you don't have a team that, let's be honest, Jonathan Allen wasn't even a big name until his senior year. Like, you don't have those guys right now. No Minka Fitzpatrick. You have, you have Patrick Sertan the second. It's your Pretty guy. That, that is your guy. He'll play in the NFL. And whoever number 25 is off the edge. Yeah. I mean, you have two dudes on defense that are really your guy, and that's it. That stick out is future NFL starters or players at least for an Alabama team and for a Nick Saban who prides himself on recruiting defense and recruiting DBs especially DBs like you do not have anyone replacing Mika Fitzpatrick this year no so I'm I, I, I'm uh, I will go out on a limb I will say this today I don't even know what the date is today but we're gonna say it right now this is gonna be on recording that Nick Saban within two years so not this Iron Bowl not the next Iron Bowl after the third Iron Bowl from now, he will retire. I'm going to go out on a different limb and say next year he's going to heavily recruit defense as opposed to recruiting all these five-star receivers and running backs like he's been doing to go with Tua. He's going to go balls deep in on defense, and next year they're going to have a top four or five-ranked defense again. I think he's going to look at this like, well, I lose a quarterback, my entire team's screwed, but if I have like eight defensive backs that are first-team All-Pro, I think I'll be okay. So I think he's going to go heavy and on defense next year. Their offense is going to look a lot more like Eric J. McCarron's offense. And then they're going to go back to that type of football. I think he got a little enamored with trying to out Oregon, out LSU, out Clemson, all those sort of things. And oh, out Auburn, Auburn. Like those sort of things. So I think he's going to go back to being more defensive oriented. I won't go out on the limb and say he's going to retire, but it's very possible. I just, I don't know. I, I, something seems off with Nick Saban lately. It's it, possible. I mean, it just, this doesn't seem like a Nick Saban thing. It, he is so protective of his players. This just didn't seem like a Nick Saban move. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Maybe it's starting to get to him a little bit. Who knows? It's possible. And so, since, since we're in college football, we'll transition a little bit higher north. Minnesota with their first loss of the season, losing damn. to Iowa of all teams. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see this one coming. I honestly had Minnesota going in undefeated against Ohio State. And that would have been kind of cool just on paper. We'd have, like, Ohio State would actually have to beat a good team finally. Yeah, and nah, man. Don't get me wrong. Minnesota... Uh, it's not that their off their their passing offense was bad. It's just they couldn't run the ball against Iowa. Iowa's run defense looked honestly like a, the Iowa we kind of predicted preseason would look. And Nate Stanley had the game of his life with 200 yards and two touchdowns, basically. Yeah, it looked like that Jake Fromm 110 yards and three touchdown type. Yeah, yeah, your salt showing, but and then that <laughs> and so unfortunately that kind of takes away from what we thought could have been a nice Big Ten conference championship showdown. Now it's going to come down to Wisconsin, Minnesota, and either both those teams. I mean, we kind of both expect Ohio State to run through both of them, but at least would have looked cool to have an undefeated Minnesota team. Yeah. Which makes it even worse that Penn State lost, because now the Penn State-Ohio State game this year has a little less flavor to it. All the times Ohio State's supposed to play a big team, they lose the week before. I mean, Wisconsin lost to them a week before. They already had the promos built in. Like, they already had the promos running that, that day 
yeah. when Wisconsin lost, so we had to watch all the promos promoting it next week. It's like, oh, well, not quite the same. Like, we already know Ohio State's going to run through everybody in the Big Ten and the conference. Like, Penn State, they might not run through them, but they're going to win 35-17. to 17. Yeah. They're going to crush Michigan because Michigan's terrible and Jim Harbaugh needs to go. Jim yeah. Harbaugh needs to go back to the NFL, honestly. I think he was better in the NFL than college. Absolutely. Michigan State, I think they already played. They crushed them. Minnesota or Wisconsin, again, they'll pulverize both of them. Maybe if Wisconsin's lucky, Jonathan Taylor will go off and only lose by 21 points. Yeah, I mean, you got Chase Young coming back, too, so that's good It's luck. over. Yeah, and he's going to come back probably a little pissed off, too, because he's like, I don't want them to think I have character issues because he, he really doesn't. But unfortunately, with the way the NFL is, any little thing, they're just like, we're not risking it, not, not after Pac-Man Jones and all that other stuff from that for that five-year stretch. Yeah, or even, I mean, God, Terrell Pryor. Just know. all of it, yeah. I mean, Lyle Collins. I mean, if you have anything next to your name, the NFL teams tend to stay away, it seems like, at least in the draft process. Oh, Larry Tunsil is the, probably the most recent big-name one, like, to be fair, his was kind of stupid, too, dropping from, like, 5 to 17. He still got picked in the first round, at least. <laughs> the day of the draft. I mean, he still went in the first round, at least, so he's okay, but, like... That's just... Uh, I think that's just sort of the roughest one, like, just for the timing-wise. Either way, but, like, Ohio State's going to run through everybody, get to the get to the college football playoff. Depending on who they play in the first round, we'll see. I mean, they're probably better than everyone besides, in my opinion, LSU, and if Clemson gets it together, I think Clemson could be better, but we haven't seen Clemson this year. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, Clemson, to me, they haven't played a full game yet. Like, their whole team has not played a full game yet because they haven't really had to. I don't, they just, I don't know. I don't like what I've seen from them. Like, I don't know if they're planning on just turning on for the playoff and looking like that team against Alabama, but that's some risky business. That's like LeBron and them used to do with the Cavaliers, but it's different when you're in the East. When you try and do that in the West, it doesn't quite work. It's one of those things where, after saying what I just said about Nick Saban and running a two-minute offense— this is a team that needs their offense, their starting offense, to run a two-minute offense because like they haven't had to. And they haven't honestly looked good for a full game. Like you said, like they've almost lost to North Carolina. They've looked ugly in some of their wins. Trevor Lawrence, we thought, was a shoe in for the greatest college quarterback of all time, taking the mantle from Elway and Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and, and Cam and all of those guys. But he's just been okay. He's no, He is not in the Heisman conversation whatsoever right now. Which maybe yeah. he doesn't care about. Maybe he's just going for the natty again. Don't either way. I, so we'll see with Clemson. I can't really put them up against Ohio State really right now. I mean, but at this point, it's hard to say no to Clemson. I mean, they are the reigning national champions. But at the same so, time, they have not played like the reigning national championship. No, that's true. That is true. I mean, I, but I, I, they haven't really. They're like Ohio State, and they haven't played anybody yet. At least Ohio State's killing the people they don't play, though. Yeah, I, I just wish Ohio State had played somebody. And sort of lent some credibility to the fact they were ranked number one in the college football playoff. Felt like they were ranked number one because nobody wanted to give it to Alabama or LSU, basically. Yeah, and there's an Ohio State alum or Ohio State guy on the committee too. That's a little convenient, but anyway, yeah. So they, yeah, you know, I, I don't like the way the college playoff committee is already selected. Anyways, I don't think you should have any affiliations to any of the teams. But that's you could be a fan of a team, I guess. But that's about it. You shouldn't yeah. be have a connection like oh, I went like yeah, like you like said. yeah, I should should have not gone to those colleges. It needs to be, honestly, FCS, coaches and uh, ADs and directors of programs need to be the people in charge of the college football playoff. What the FCS does, need they need to do it. What they do in, like, FCS football, they need to do in Division One. Everything yeah. to a T, where it's basically everybody votes more or less, sort of. Yeah, thing. It's, well, and it's the thing, is, is the FCS playoff is actually decided by, the, like, FBS Officials. Exactly. So you need to, yeah. You, you know, like it, you, they're, they're non, there is no. You have eliminated as much bias as yeah. you really possible. So it, it is one of those things. I, you know, 
but yeah, I just I don't you know to your point, everybody that plays Ohio State seems to lose. This just sucks. But I will say that the you know Big Ten this year seems like they are the deepest they've ever been because look at Iowa knocking off Ohio State and you or uh, Minnesota and you're like wait Iowa, but what? But at the same time, they're all like B level teams. They're all yeah. it's the one A. There's no A minuses or even B pluses. Like they're all Bs or B minuses. Yeah, and it's true. And it's just you know it's it's one of those things you just look at it. and It's like you got out of the twelve teams in your in your league, you got eight Bs. Uh, eight B minuses, C pluses. I don't know if I'd even give them Bs. You might have like seven of those, and then like two or three Bs, and then maybe no. I can't even think of a B plus honestly. Then you have Ohio I would say Penn State as a B plus. I just look and at Ohio that. State as an A plus. I still say Penn State's like a B. Like Penn State, and Minnesota are Bs, honestly. Yeah, they're solid Bs. Maybe maybe Wisconsin too. Because Jonathan Taylor alone makes has to make you at least a B minus. I mean, I don't. Yeah, know. I, I don't know. I just I group most of them as a B, and then you know your your bottom four obviously are your C minus or belows. And then your number one up here, Ohio State. And then Michigan somewhere in that C territory, too. Yeah, they could be a C minus. Yeah, they're my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, yeah, when I look at Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, those are our three playoff teams. The question's going to be who goes in at number four. It's Right now, it's Georgia if everything holds true, but they got to play LSU. Something's going to give there, probably. I think, honestly, the Pac, this is the year a Pac 12 team gets in it. And all, if Oregon wins out and wins their conference, which it looks like they should, and let's say. Everything holds true. LSU beats Georgia. I don't care if Alabama has one loss still at the end of the season. You got to give it to a conference championship, Oregon. Like, if you don't win your conference, you shouldn't be in, especially if you don't even play for your conference. Yeah, exactly. I still think when you have enough conferences like this, you should win your conference. I mean, when you have five power five conferences, so you have five champions to pick from. And four spots. And four spots. And you pick one of these mother effers on a different hand over here. And you pick a team that has one loss, at this current moment in time, has one loss and no starting quarterback. You're basically picking a three-loss team right there. Might as well, honestly. Yeah. I mean, really, like that's what you're picking. Like you'd be, you'd be better off picking an Auburn over an Alabama at that point. Because Auburn at least has three decent losses, <laughs> whereas Alabama has a quarterback that they're missing. Like, it's just... that's. Just, the, so basically what I look at is if Oregon wins out, I want to see Oregon take that four spot. I don't care if Alabama still manages to win out without their quarterback, wins the Iron Bowl, whatever they do, and then yeah, I don't no, care. Forget it. I don't – like even if Tua's healthy, you have a loss and you're not a conference champion. That still bugs me. I feel like you have to be a conference champion to win or at the very minimum play in your conference. Exactly, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like if you have conference champions with one loss compared to a team that's a conference runner-up with one loss, I don't know, man. I Oregon, this should be your year if you win out. The Big 12, maybe Oklahoma if they win out and win their conference, but it's it hasn't been pretty for them. I mean, they this is not like Oklahoma with one loss the last two years where it's like, oh, it was a fluke. This yeah. year they look kind of rough in a few games too. Well, and here's the thing with the Pac-12. They have two two teams that are one-loss teams that are ranked right, behind, right next to each other, Utah being the other next to Oregon. I guess I'm leaning towards Oregon because I think they're going to win. I'm leaning towards them, but well, I think they're going to win out. Yeah, if you if Oregon wins out, then they're they're the shoe in. But if they lose one, that's Utah. And Utah isn't a bad team either. I mean, they're probably not as high profile, high scoring as Oregon is, but they have a lot of big dudes that can match up with some of the big dudes from Clemson and Ohio State. They don't have. They might not have the speed, but they are they they are reaping the benefits of being in the Pac-12 and getting some of these. Three four star guys that are fighting to become five stars, like you know uh, that giant argument in recruiting of what's a three star compared to a five star. Well, they're getting some of those three stars that probably should be five stars. 
basically what so all, it, it, it'll be it, I don't know it's interesting to see basically all we said is why do you not have eight teams in the playoff that's all yeah, we learned I mean, it. that's all because because we wouldn't have this conversation you have eight teams because you'd have those four at the top where we'll even say like we'll say it's Oregon is number four you'd have Georgia and Alabama because yeah. this at this point it doesn't matter if you don't win your conference because those last three spots can go to whoever the hell you want really exactly yeah then you could let's say you fit a Utah in there let's say they finish out pretty strongly and then there's that, that's just seven teams right there. That Oklahoma is your eighth team, so you, you cover if I'm four of the five conferences, not all of them. I think yeah. I got all of them. Or, I mean, even, there's not really a team this year that's really making a name for themselves outside of the Power Five, but. If Notre Dame was sticking out like yeah. they had a couple years ago, like. You know, if Notre Dame was, or if it was another UCF year where they're just absolutely pounding teams, then, you know, who knows? Exactly. So, so since we're talking college football playoffs. Going to go to the FCS, which actually has a college the football successful playoff play. system. What basically this is the who she tells you not to worry about, more or less, <laughs> yeah. compared to the uh, Division One, which is what you are. Which yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> so FCS is coming down to the edge. We're in like the last week of the regular season before they start shaping up. I don't know if anyone watches, listens, watches a whole lot, but basically North Dakota State, Carson Wentz's alma mater just dominates it. But they go through a playoff run to get there. James Madison right now is the second best team. They're basically like right below them. It's like Chiefs and Patriots last year. They're the two cream of the crop. But we had this last weekend was number three, Weber State, which is a team in Utah for anyone who doesn't know. They were at the top of the Big Sky Conference. Taking on number five, Montana, which was the fifth ranked team in all of FCS, who was number two in the Big Sky Conference. This was one of those, you have a three versus five. This is like LSU, Alabama in Division One, or like those type of matchups where you get those two or earlier it in the season. something. Like earlier in the season, too, when you had Auburn and LSU, like really high-ranked teams. Weber State went up to Montana and got throttled. It was like 30, God, yeah. it was 35-16, to 16, I think is what the final score was. It was 35-3 at one point. One receiver on the Montana team had 193 yards and three touchdowns. Weber State at the, didn't even have 190 yards. I previewed this in my, in my Thursday segment. Montana took it to them. They have, some, they have a couple guys that could be – at least competing for practice squads on Sundays and could possibly make some teams. They got at least one guy I think will make a team next yeah. year. Like these aren't two these aren't two teams that just don't put out NFL players. They put out NFL players. Now granted they're usually offensive and defensive linemen, but they put out NFL caliber players. Like this was a this was probably the biggest matchup we've seen in FCS regular season this year. If I I'd have to go through every single team which I'm not going to, but I think this was the biggest matchup yeah. ranking wise and one team stood out and absolutely throttled. This would be like if LSU throttled Alabama and Alabama didn't come back. It'd be like, okay, that was not what we saw coming at all. Uh, if, I think we just found a team to look out for. I think they put everybody on notice. Yeah. And on top of that, the fourth-ranked UNI team got throttled 31-7, to so Montana was going to jump them anyway. Now they're in the three spot, and those top two are set. No one's changing that unless they lose out, basically. Question is, what happens with that Montana team that just jumped to three? They play another. They play their basically Iron Bowl against Montana State. For those who don't know, Montana has two colleges and that are major colleges, and that's it. So this is their Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. The entire state's about to shut down because Montana State's also, good, I believe, going to be ranked in the top ten. Yeah, if not, they're like eleven, maybe. They're both playoff bound because FCS has a playoff system that makes yeah. sense. Uh, being, being having been a part of both of those rivalries, both the Iron Bowl and the Brawl of the Wild, I will say. They are eerily similar. The only difference being the seating in the stadiums. That is literally the only difference between the two. You have the exact same type of fans on both sides. And you have two of the main colors on both sides. You have blue on one and you have red on the other. A form of red on the other. And honestly, it is as hated as it is in Alabama, in Montana. Honestly, can you think... 
I think it's a rivalry on par with everyone else's that no one talks about because Montana has a population of 10 that's not cows, basically. Yeah, I mean, really, yeah. It's, Being, close, it's close to everybody else, though, that wants to move there. Basically, the yeah. <laughs> so when you basically com- – let's just compare rivalries across the country just off the top of our heads real quick. Auburn, Alabama, okay, they're up on their stuff. Yeah. Iowa, Iowa State, it's not even close. Those teams aren't even the same Honestly, conference. Honestly, it's, it's, it's more like a – Like Iowa and Iowa State, it's like, okay, well, that's okay for people in Iowa, but even – even they are like mix. They're not in the same conferences. They play in week three. It doesn't yeah. affect anything. These two teams play at the end of the season. Montana, Montana State. Florida, Florida it, the winner, State, maybe back in the day, or Miami and Florida, or Miami, Florida. But even none, none of those were really as because they weren't always bad like, blooded as this. Like Florida and Miami aren't even in the same conference either, yeah. so it doesn't have as much significance. Tech like, and Georgia isn't even close to this. Um, the Carolinas. Uh, yeah. That's a joke. Maybe Duke and North Carolina and basketball. basketball. Yeah, exactly. Just basketball. basketball. Yeah. And I'm doing this just football, Montana. Like uh, basketball is heated, but not like football. Oregon, Oregon State. Eh, that's more of the Nike Bowl, and so it doesn't really like USC, UCLA. Give me a break. <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan competes. Obviously, like the. I think yes those, and no. I think that one's still a little bit too. It's not as big because it's not the state. Oh, I'm just thinking like rivalries in general. Oh yeah, no, I mean Army Navy obviously is yeah. up there too. So I think to anyone who's to yell to anyone who's been or, a part sorry, of yell it, yell in anyone who's watched it, been a part of it, or even been around somebody who's been in it, can tell you this is a rivalry that's up there with everything else you see on ESPN. And both teams are ranked in the top ten probably for playoff seating. Yeah. If Montana wins, they're the biggest guy champion in the third rank. They get a first round bye. They're set to go. They're in strong position, they're going to host a playoff game. The entire state's going to shut down for this. Pl- this. Yeah, really in fact, does. the entire state's going to just close down for this Saturday anyway when they play each other. If Montana State wins, I think that I don't know the exact seating, but that puts that I think they have one more loss than all those other teams do. So that puts a big cluster at the top of the of that conference. I think all three of them are going to make it. Weber, Montana, Montana—they're all in the playoff. Yeah. It's just, do you play? How long before you have to play North Dakota State or James Madison is what you're looking at? Yeah, it's, and can it's, you hope someone else does the dirty work and knock them off for you? Yeah, and, and can you catch them maybe after a tough, low-ranking team? Like, you know, it's, and that's, that's a big thing, too. Is It's so interesting when you, when you talk about the playoff. I, I, you know, I would love to see a 64-team playoff combine FCS and FBS like they do for basketball. 64-team playoff starting week 10. Granted, the NFL would suck because so many people would get hurt in that spot. But yeah, absolutely. And who cares? And they're they're going to get they're going to start paying the college players soon. So forget the NFL. I don't care anymore. <laughs> hey, you know what? I want to see a 64 team playoff FCS FBS because I would actually love to see a team like Montana or North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome or James Madison or you know any one of these smaller schools hosting a team like LSU or Georgia Tech or Georgia or Florida State at their their home stadium. I would love to see somebody at, at Washington Grizzly Stadium, and that's from Florida State. I would I would love to see them and just look around, watch them look around at just how cool the stadium is. But then all of a sudden that game starts, and they're like, "Wait, eighty thousand people? Where?" And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a stadium of thirty three. I say I think it's max maximum stadium thing is like twenty four, but the maximum attendance is like twenty eight. Yeah, that's it, many people. You know, they got standing room, and and then on top of that, the coolest thing I thought about the the Montana games is they let you out at halftime. They don't do that for D one colleges. The problem with Montana is they don't always come back. Which is <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that's true. But this season you would you have a reason to come back. You, the 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 product on the field. But I, honestly, I think that would be the coolest thing. I mean, and just for context, for anyone who doesn't like watch SCS or anything, Montana played Oregon earlier this year. They lost thirty-five to three, kind of ugly, but thirty-five to three against an FBS team last year. They a couple years ago they played Washington, Washington when Washington was a playoff team. They got throttled. Like we get it, they're not on the same. 
Yeah. The talent disparity, is not, if anyone's trying to say, oh, like, that's not, no one cares about that. We're not disputing the talent when it comes to the rivalry. We're talking about the magnitude, which involves the fans, everybody who's watching the players. Yeah. There's, and there's a lot to say about a Montana team going to Oregon. And to Washington. And like, to Washington to play in those two stadiums. Because those two fan sets, in that Cascadia area, hates each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Washington fans will come out to a Montana game because in their eyes, Washington's a better Cascadia state than Montana. Exactly. So they're going to come out for that reason. Same with Oregon. Oregon's a better Cascadia state than, than Montana. And so they're going to come out for that pride of the, the Pacific Northwest. And people don't understand that in, in a lot of the, the FBS schools. And You know, they do something in, in, uh, in English Premier League soccer where they have Division One, like, so the top division, EPL, plays the English Championship champion in a preseason, well, it's, yeah, preseason, sometimes postseason game between the champions. I kind of would love to see a, something like that out of the FBS, FCS. Like maybe the FBS, like the FCS champion, like let's say it's North Dakota State since they're the favorite and they win every damn year, like six of the last seven. Yeah. Plays, even if it's not the number one team that won the national championship, maybe play somebody who won, like, Play the fifth team. Like, let's say yeah. Oregon gets shafted and doesn't make it this year. Oregon versus North Dakota State, it'd be kind of neat to see. It would be. And, you know, it'd be – they talk about needing, you know, more parity in, in college football and especially spreading out talent. The only way to do that is to get more people televised. You look at the talent se- separation now. Big Ten has their own network. ACC has their own network. SEC has literally their own network and their own Paul Feinbaum. Like, SEC has their own channel, basically. Yeah. They have not just their own network. They have their own conglomerate, multi, multi just everything. It was monopoly. Exactly. monopoly that's what I was looking for. Like, and, and you don't get that in FC, F, FCS schools. Um, you barely get TV coverage for them. So, like, you want more parity, get them involved. Honestly, yeah. And I like that they're starting to televise them a little more on ESPN. Like, they televise the playoffs on ESPN3. Get, the, get them on ESPN. I mean, ESPN game day went to Montana, North Dakota State. Carson Wentz is one of the games for Carson Wentz in his senior year, his opener. Montana beat them on the last second. I mean, Carson once his last lost in college ba- in college football came to this Montana team that it's been three years. It's obviously different teams, but we're just talking about like we love FCS football. We love sports yeah. in general. So I'm just saying like this matchup was. Con- I'll go back to the main point of Montana versus Weber State, which is where this started. This was LSU versus Alabama for FCS. The difference was one team throttled the other team, and now is in position to make a strong playoff run that. I don't think a lot of people had them. They weren't ranked in the top 25 coming to the year, if I'm not mistaken. If they were, they were like 23, 24 in the 20s. Yeah, they've made a push. And this that UNI team that was ranked number four, they opened the season last year against each other, and Montana beat them 26 to 22, I believe it was as well. Like, it was a tale of two halves. Montana wins the first half 26 0. UNI wins the second half 22 yeah. 0. So, like, I just think FCS had. I'm bringing this all full circle because FCS, with this playoff seating we're talking about, is so fun because those losses. They suck and they determine playoff seeding, but you're not worried about someone else picking you to get in the playoff of four teams. Yeah. You're not competing with, oh, well, they're Alabama. It's the Alabama Invitational. But, hey, I'm a conference champion Oregoner. Hey, I'm a conference champion Oklahoma with a Heisman Trophy winner and Jalen Hurts, arguably. Probably not as much, but you never know. Yeah. And then it's like, well, but Alabama. But Nick Saban and two is hip. Well, but that number 17 on the side of the helmet, which, by the way, I would hate to be an Alabama fan because they have to change their – logo every year they win a championship that would just suck yeah that's stupid i'm gonna ignore that but <laughs> but that's what i'm saying like you need to expand this i don't want to hear this but the kids won't have thanksgiving or christmas fcs made it work and i guarantee that more of those obviously you don't want to say take away the holidays from the kids but when you sign up to be a student oh, athlete like <laughs> these kids don't even get a holiday the 
like, what I'm getting at. Like, I'm just basically making the point, like, they say, like, that was one of the excuses I remember hearing. Like, you don't want to take Christmas and Thanksgiving away from them. It's like, I'm pretty sure a lot of those kids will be like, hey, I'm going to stay and play for a national championship and get that opportunity where right now you're giving four teams as opposed to the eight, at least eight that should. Let me, let me just throw this out to people that don't know. For, let's just take Auburn, for example. They play in the Iron Bowl uh, the day after Thanksgiving. It used to be. And now it has moved to the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So you get Black Friday. Uh, you don't even get to go home for a whole day on Thanksgiving. I think that's what I'm saying. Is like you already and, don't get Thanksgiving. They're talking about not wanting to take Christmas too. Oh, yeah. And, like, well, then, and that's the thing. I was getting to the – and then if, after that, if you go, let's say, the National Championship. So 2014 when they went to the National Championship. <laughs> you're in that city a month in advance basically or two weeks in advance. So you're pr- you're you're already there for Christmas. You're not going to go home for Christmas anyways. And you're getting like a thousand plus dollars in free gear and eight hundred dollars in food gratuities. I think you're okay with spending holidays in L.A. or Atlanta or New Orleans or Miami. And honestly, you know, instead like, of taking that's like, okay. instead of that taking that three week gap after the end of the season before you start the college playoff, start it just the week after the regular season and the conference championships, like everyone else does. Yeah, get into it. Do the award circuit after the playoffs. Wake the Heisman Trophy after the college football playoff or the national championship. I know a lot of people will probably complain, like, but that's not how it works. That's that's a regular season award. Oh no. Well, in college football, you kind of combine everything when you do final season stats. You usually combine the playoffs with it, I mean. Yeah. Or if you want to do the awards thing, do like the NBA doesn't do the awards after the national championship, but have it voted on beforehand. Just Same with baseball. They do the same thing. Like, get your national championship out of the way. Like, when is it now? Towards the end of January, normally, the national championship? If I'm uh, first week of January. First week of January. You can still do that. Just take away that three-week gap or two-week gap that you have and just play those eight teams out. You have, you're adding one more week at games. That's really it, honestly. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if, I swear to God, if somebody says, oh, but you're ruining the Army-Navy game, you know what? I don't care. Move them to rivalry week with the rest of everybody else and have them at the 7 o'clock time slot where there's no other rivalry games being played because everybody plays a rivalry game the day, like two day, the day after Thanksgiving or two days after. Have them play on that Sunday or something. I don't care. Put them on the Friday before the national – or put them on the Sunday after the college football playoff. Yeah. I mean, I – you can make things work. It's yeah. shown before. I mean, you can make these things work. You know, and it's it's yeah. The Army Navy game is a showcase game. We talked about it, it's one of the best rivalry games out there. But like, really, that's what's going to hold up from having an eighteen playoff and kind of. I don't know, man. I'm not. I'm not in charge of all this. Maybe there's some weird background stuff we don't know about from business logistics and all that other stuff. I don't know. But I'd <laughs> like to think the NCAA's multi-billion-dollar agency could make it work. If the FCS can make it work with yeah. 25, 26 teams, whatever the heck it is. Uh, Let's see, 16, 24 teams. 24, eight, yeah. eight teams have a first-round buy. Yep. So FCS has made it so eight teams have a first-round buy. We're just asking for eight teams total to make it. Yeah. I'm out of line, clearly. I apologize for uh, yeah, all of uh, my and, unrealistic um, thinking over here. And, and FCS brings in about a tenth of the total financial dollars, if that. Pretty much, yeah. the FBS. So – you know, and they should somehow make something work. It's uh, it's amazing how that. And the FCS doesn't even have to, doesn't even pay their players either. I mean, like mm-hmm. we're in Alabama. I mean, you pay them with Cadillacs, but yeah. <laughs> well, well, uh, SEC plays them in, pays them in Dodge Chargers and the like. But now, yeah, I don't, I don't get, I don't get why we don't have an eighteen playoff. But basically, yeah. Since we, all right, so we've talked about those playoffs. 
we, we're going to kind of round things back to the NFL real quickly because I kind of want to bring this up earlier, but we got distracted talking college football and talking quarterbacks. We talked about some of our surprises. The things are like, oh, my God, this is weird. Oh, my God. Tell me what you think the playoffs are going to look like. We have midseason. We've seen every team, eight weeks of them. We have our what we thought would be the the teams that would be in the playoffs beforehand. What do you think about them so far? Like you could, which ones do you want to keep? Which ones do you want to change? I think I'm still still comfortable with the Saints and Cowboys on the NFC side. Um, I think I'd have to replace the Niners with the Rams. Uh, that's what I originally had was the Rams. I think I got to replace the Niners with them. Um, out of the North, <laughs> I'm going to eat my words and I'm going to say the Packers. Uh, but I also think the Vikings get in as a wild card there. And as far as who the other wild card is in the NFC, <laughs> I mean, you got like Seattle's competing. Let's see for who's you. in the NFC. Who, who? Oh God, I don't know, man. Like I want to. It's basically it looks like Seattle and the Vikings are the two teams competing for what you have. Right yeah, now. and that's that's really it because you get the Panthers at five hundred and the Eagles at five hundred, and the Eagles just look bad. Like they so it looks like yeah, Seahawks will be the other, which I think I had previously, anyways. Uh. uh Nope, never mind. I had everybody come from the South. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, NFC-wise, yeah, I think I keep the Saints and the Cowboys, but then move the Niners into winning the West, and I move the Packers into winning the North, and the Vikings, Seahawks get the wild card. Yeah. For me, the NFC, like, I had the Saints in the South as well. I had the Eagles winning the East and being a dominant force. I regret that. They're terrible. So I moved the Cowboys into that spot because the NFC East, honestly, as a whole is pretty terrible, but the Cowboys are decent. I look at the West, I pick the Niners, I'm going to roll with it and hope they don't go on an all-time collapse right now. <laughs> I was wrong about Seattle. I thought the Rams would be like that second-tier wildcard caliber team. It's the Seahawks. They're really good. Russell Wilson's really good this year. The defense is underrated. In the North, I had the Bears being the Super Bowl champs, and I hate it because Mitch Trubisky is terrible. They need to sign Kaepernick tomorrow. I think the Packers are going to win that division as well. I had them as the wild, just missing the wild card at 10-6, and six, but like, I think they'll, they'll go, like, probably 12-4 and four, win that division. Same with you, playoffs. I mean, it's the Vikings and the Seahawks. Like, at first it was a little more congested, but the last few weeks they those two established themselves. Those two are yeah. just basically missing their division because, damn it, those other teams ahead of them are good. Yep. Then when I go to the AFC, the Patriots, I mean, I know the Bills have been pretty good. I mean, they're 7-3. and three, they're, top, they're the fifth seed right now. I think it's going to stay that way. The Bills will still get a wild card team. The Patriots win that division. No comment. <laughs> the West... The Raiders are surprisingly in it, but now that Patty Mahomes is back, the Chiefs are going to be fine. They're still going to they're going to get like their 11 wins probably. I mean, I, they he threw for 500,000 yards against the Titans and they lost because that defense sucks, but that defense will start getting sacks and Patty Mahomes will be Jesus and win the game for him later. Yeah. In the North, it's the Ravens and I was wrong. I thought the Steelers would win it by default. I was terribly wrong. And so I'm the I'm going to say the Ravens win that. The rest of the division kind of sucks. The South, which is where the AFC gets fun. We both had the Texans winning it with Andrew Luck's retirement, pretty much 99% of the reason, at least for me it was, because I initially had the Colts 13-3 and three or 12-4 and four ready to go. They were going to be like a top two or three seed. They were going to be my Super Bowl running team. And then I had to redo this into my entire predictions list after that. Yep. I had the Colts going about 8-8 eight and eight or so. They've been surprisingly good. I thought they'd start slow, finish strong. They kind of did the opposite. They started strong, had a rough patch, but I think they're going to – they play the Texans in a huge pivotal game on Thursday. Basically, they're, they have the tiebreaker now, both six and four. I think the, whoever wins this game is going to end up winning the division, and then the other team's going to end up as like the sixth seed, probably. So I'm going to say I'm going to eat my words. I'm going to be a little bit of a homer. I'm going to say the Colts win that division with a with a ten and six record, and Houston is a ten and six wild card team. So I think Houston's going to be like that sixth seed, 
Buffalo's going to be that fifth seed at like 10 and 6 as well, something along those lines. But I think the Colts are going to somehow win that division. Assuming injuries don't get the better, better of them, they should have guys coming back considering their entire team is injured. But if teams start coming back, they manage to float the ship just enough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change my mind on that. I want to say the Colts take it by a tiebreaker, basically. Okay. <laughs> and that's assuming like they're starting running back Marlon Mack's not out for the season. He has a fractured yeah. hand. He says he, they're basically determined does need surgery or can he sit out two, three weeks and come back and just wrap it the heck up. Yeah, they might put a plate in and wrap the crap yeah, out of it. And then you got T.Y. Hilton's got to come back soon too. I mean, like yeah. you've played so many games without him. Paris Campbell, Devin Funches, like. There's, that team's been more injury-deprived than arguably any team in the league this and year. And they might be getting healthy at the perfect time. Exactly. And the one thing that stayed healthy, though, them five dirty guys on the offensive line, who, by the way, that keg stand celebration, I wish that was an actual touchdown now. You know what? That's going to still stand as one of the best celebrations of the year. I don't you can't care. take that away from us. No, that's, that was still one of the best. Cool. Um, for me in the AFC, uh, I'm still sticking Patriots winning the division, Chiefs winning the division. Uh, I'm going to go with the t- conference. Or, you know, conference champions first, and then I'll get double back to the yeah, West. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah. But um, Ravens obviously going to win the North. Uh, I think yeah, the rest point, of that division's trash. I had the Browns, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the Ravens have nine wins. The rest of the division combined has nine wins. Yeah. So in yeah, fact, no, actually, they don't um, have nine wins because five plus three it is eight. Cincinnati is zero. So I think the Ravens have more wins than the rest of their division. Yeah. That and that's, division's trash. As I said, that's that's the one mm-hmm. pick that I had that um, I'm eating my words on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the South. I had the Texans winning, you know, 10-6. and six. I'm going to stick with that. I mean, they're still poised in position. Uh, but as far as your, you know, wild card, I don't see any reason the Colts shouldn't take a wild card position. Um, if they don't win on Thursday, I think it just comes down to that game. That's why they took the wild card instead of the division. Uh, but And then the other actual wild card I had is a team that I said was going to compete for the wild card before. And I actually chose them for a wild card and then said, no, 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 they're going to lose out on a tiebreaker. And that was the Raiders. Um, I, you know, I'd, I had them, had them having a chance. And I, I'm surprised. I, I got to say, I'm surprised. And that was a lucky guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Derek I'm going to ride with it. Derek Carr has been a sniper this year. And, hey, Josh Jacobs is no joke right out of that backfield. Offensive rookie of the year from both of us. A Pro Bowl caliber running back, too. Absolutely. The, the second – I. Second, what second rookie quarter or running back that could make it after Philip Lindsay did last year? I know Philip Lindsay was the first undrafted rookie, but I think he was one of the first rookie running backs too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, they've had a variety of them throughout the years because like Adrian Peterson guys. Like oh that, yeah, but, okay. like, but, but like you said, like it's a guy we did not expect because he barely started at Alabama and got any carries, and here he's in the NFL redefining that offense into John absolutely. Gruden's 1990s fashion. Absolutely, and you know he's one of the stalwarts for that team going forward. And, I don't. I don't know how I got lucky enough to pick them to even give a chance. But because you picked them when they had Antonio Brown. Yeah, <laughs> Antonio Brown leaves. We're like, oh well, wait a minute. Yeah, uh, that's that's true as well. Um, but yeah, no, I'm gonna stick with the Raiders getting in the wild card at six. Um, Colts will be a five, and then you know from there. Uh, so you don't you think the Bills are gonna drop off at the end here? I just I they're the Bills, man. If there's a single team that has taught me anything about history being a lesson to, to, to learn, it's the Bills. You don't go to four Super Bowls and lose four straight <laughs> Super Bowls unless you're the Bills. So <laughs> I think if there's a team that's going to mess this up, it's going to be the Bills somehow. Um, on the reverse side of that, if there's another team to mess this up, it would be the Raiders. So maybe I'll eat my words and it'll be the Bills instead of the Raiders. We don't know. Honestly, there's plenty of teams that can screw up, basically, is what we're saying. Yeah, this, it's a lot of parody this year. 
It, it's an interesting one, yeah. And Except for the Patriots. Yeah, that's not even fun anymore. I mean, even when they suck, they win. I think the parody was watching what the Ravens did to him. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, no, that was... And then they come right back today and win ugly against the Eagles, who have been... Make, they've been my biggest disappointment from the pre... I thought Carson Wentz was going to be an MVP. Zach Ertz was going to be a, the best tight end in football, arguably. They were going to be one of the highest-scoring teams. Then Alshon Jeffries hurt. Then Deshaun Jackson's hurt. Then Nelson Aguilar's hurt, and they can't catch. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's terrible. The offensive line can't block. Carson Wentz has flashes of absolute brilliance, and the next play he misses a wide-open out route. He's One play, he's a top-five quarterback in the league. The next play, he's a rookie again. It's... I, it's obviously the injuries are part of that. Your timing's terrible. Doug Peterson's, he's kind of terrible. I'm not gonna say he's terrible as a coach, but his entire career is off of the Philly special, which was Nick Foles just being an athlete, basically. He, I, I will say, his career has been saved by Nick Foles. That's what I'm saying. Like his entire career is yeah. built off of basically that one magical run Carson Wentz had in the regular season, then Nick Foles catching a touchdown. Yeah, pretty obviously much. Nick Foles. Lit the, lit the place up passing too but like yeah. I'm saying like that Philly special that they made a statue for like that's been the oh my god basically yeah it, it, it's crazy Doug Peterson might be the one of the few guys besides like Mike Tomlin to still have a job because of luck basically yeah I mean I know he's made the playoffs last year even and he's made it a couple times but yikes just yikes with the Eagles I regret picking having thinking so highly of them before the season absolutely I blame injuries in part but at the same time you know, I mostly blame injuries, honestly. When you lose all of your weapons, it's like, wow. How dare you trust the Eagles? Gosh. I mean, you trusted the Cowboys, and that's right because they're in the NFC East. But if they were in any other division, you would we would not you would not be trusting them. I will trust the Cowboys to win as long as I don't bet on the Cowboys. That is how the fanship works. <laughs> I it do. is an agreed-upon contract with the devil that if <laughs> you do not bet on the Cowboys, they will provide. Until the playoffs. And then the moment you bet on them is the moment you lose everything. Until the playoffs again, too. Like. Yeah, until the playoffs. So they're not going to talk about the playoffs, right? Playoffs. There it is. Okay. Talk about but, playoffs? Well, I think we've covered pretty much everything in the world of football. Is there any any other sports stuff we want to look at real quick before we sign off? Or? Nothing I can think of right now other than Mason Rudolph might be the second coming of Big Ben. Well, he's got plenty of other problems to deal with first. But right now, we could definitely say he's one of the least liked guys in the league. And good luck next week because I guarantee they're coming after you next week. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to be Mason Rudolph right now. At least he's not playing the Ravens next week, I don't think, otherwise. Speaking of Oklahoma State quarterback, this did just pop into my head. Did you see the Oklahoma State quarterback literally ride him Bronco over one of the, on one of the Kansas players? Tried to leap over him. The thing we've talked about, do not do anymore if you're a quarterback. He or tries to leap over a corner. And ends up just riding him like a bucking Bronco all the way to the ground. It's great. Yeah, he's already better than Mason Rudolph in Oklahoma history, I've decided. And Brandon Whedon and Zach Robinson. I don't even know the kid's name, but yeah. It doesn't matter. He's better than <laughs> <laughs> But no, uh, and also, if you, if you get interested, go back and look at the game-winning touchdown between Montana and North Dakota State. When was that, 2015? 2015. Uh, if, you look, if you look in the stands, that first level of the stands, you'll see a giant Grizzpaw t-shirt. And that's me. <laughs> I'm sitting there, front row. They are all celebrating in front of me. Uh, that's how I can tell you I've been a part of both mm-hmm. rivalries. Um, I would say you can go back and look at some of the Auburn ones where kids storm the field, but you couldn't find me even if you wanted to. Just good luck. The only difference between those two rivalries, in my opinion, is the size of the stadiums. If you could fit 80,000, if you gave Montana 80,000 foot state, 80,000 seat stadium, I'm willing to bet it sells out. Yeah, but about 70,000 of the seats will be filled with cows. That's not true. There's not 70,000 cows. It's there, close. There's a hundred. There's a hundred million cows. You get a couple bears in there too. A couple bobcats. A couple yeah. wild animals. Maybe an orangutan here, just because. It might look like a zoo, but you know what? It would be fun. They, it's the zoo. That's what it's called. So. <laughs> 
But yeah, that pretty much summarizes it for me for this week in sports. I mean, anything, any last words for you? Nah, man, that does it. It's been, it's great to get, get back in the regular flow of things. Um, well, we'll keep, we'll keep doing this. Uh, we'll keep doing our midweek episodes. So be sure to listen to that Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, you obviously got the check down on Thursday with DJ. You got over the top with me because, you know, I'm just a little bit over the top of a character. So sorry, people. Over the top of the weight scale. Hey, look, we don't talk about what we see on the scale. All right. What happens on the scale stays on the scale. It's just like Vegas. But now that does it for us today, guys. It's like I said, it's great to be back. And until next time, see ya. Weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.